0: <laughs> and we're live welcome back everybody Woo-hoo! uh hey you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans it's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the blasters and blades podcast just three nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies a place where magic is king the sky is the limit and space is the place so without further ado we're gonna let miss tamzin silver uh introduce herself to our audience so tamzin can you tell us a little bit about yourself
1: feel like I'm an AA. So tell me, tell me more about you.
0: Um,
1: We don't go to those kind of meetings here. No, we don't. We just drink the booze. Um, My name is Tamsin Silver, and I am an author with Falstaff Books, and I write both urban fantasy and historical fantasy. Um, I have been published for just about 10 years now. Um, I started off with small press Went self-pub, now I'm back to small press, Um, though I don't think I consider Falstaff small press anymore. I think they'd be considered medium press, but I don't think that's an actual title. Um, I I lived in New York City when I got published, and now I live in New Mexico because research brought me here, and we'll go into that more later. That's a little bit about me, uh, other than the fact that I hold two degrees, one in education and one in theater performance and design.
0: So I actually tried to move for research, but it turns out NASA and Elon Musk won't send me to the Mars colony just for me to research for my book. So that didn't work out for me.
1: I'm so sorry.
0: I know. It's kind of rude of them, actually. I mean, space I was quite... Oh, like go. Go. Yeah, I actually tried to enlist in Space Force. I told them I would come out of medical retirement, lose a bunch of weight if they would let me be a door gunner on the space shuttle. But so, hey, they just the, uniforms
1: are, the uniforms are pretty cool.
0: You mean yes, the, Battlestar I also love the Battlestar
2: Galactica uniforms, right?
0: Well, you know, I don't know if I could have pulled that off anyway, so it's probably for the best. But the next part of the introduction, dear listeners, how we found them, and uh, this is another one of those interviews where Seska said, "Be here and prep for the show, or else." So here we yes! are. So Seska, how did you find this guest?
2: I don't know if Tamsin's actually going to remember this one. I met her at a Dragon Con maybe six years ago. So I was still living in Savannah. I came up and I met her in the dealer's room. Oh, I still was it in a booth? Yeah. You were in a booth oh. and you had your, um, your urban fantasy series and you just packaged it for YA. Oh God. Re-edited. That's my and-
1: first dragon con.
2: Yeah. So and that you, was in probably 2013. It was either 13 or 14. Uh-huh. Yeah, no. know. And uh, you signed my book and you told me that I had the best name of the entire convention. Yes. That is something I would say. And, and, and you wrote that in the book.
1: Wow. Normally I just, here's what's interesting is I've only started writing personal things into books recently. So normally I used to just sign my name. So if I actually wrote something in the book, that means that I actually really meant it and I really connected with that person. And that's yeah, not, of course, to
0: say she doesn't mean it when she writes it now, dear listener. So so please still rush off and buy her book. And, no, I um,
1: was saying back then, like nowadays, you know, nowadays I, I try to like actually write it to them and I write something in it. Um, back then I was really new and I was just sort of like sign my name and I'm like, yeah.
2: Yeah, no. You you wrote to the best name of the entire convention in my book. They would be the Windfire series. Yep.
0: My favorite signature block was when I got Mercedes Black (laughs) something and she signed it Ahoy Maidens because she said she was feeling like a pirate that day.
2: I can get that. I can get behind that. And then we had then we met again in 2018 and you came down to fantasy literature and you went it is you! How many people could have that name? Right? I'm like, there's not many people that,
1: yeah, because how can you be free? So I'm sitting, so you can't tell, but I am wickedly short. Um, I am five. Ooh, there goes my dog. Uh, I am five foot and a smidge. And so. Um, that
0: smidge is important, people.
1: That smidge is important. Um, and uh, so I kind of come up to Siska's boobs. So it's, yeah. You do. I do.
2: So yeah, she's tall. You can't forget her. Like it's just not possible. So, yeah. <laughs> and, but and then on my first panel, I gave you booze. That's true, you did. You gave me booze, and you gave me this novella that starred, You were you were so thankful. You were like, I have a book. I will give it to anybody who has me has any booze.
1: Who can give me wine? And you were like, here you go. And I was like, well shit. Here you get a book. <laughs> and and uh, that was actually. That was the second panel I ever did with you guys, because you were like, hey, I was like, I could do more panels if you guys have it. You go, can you do the the Oracle panel? I'm like, I have no idea what the hell it is, but
2: sure. Mm -hmm. And uh, Delphic Oracle is a hilarious panel, and well worth watching when we load up the new one on YouTube. But that was like the beginning of a crazy friendship, and Tamsin is a fantastic moderator who I torture every year into doing boinking beasties. And so, I always, it always seems to be my
1: last panel of the con. Well, it is Sunday night. I know, but I never get Monday panels. So it's, uh, which is nice because then I get to take Monday and walk around and spend my, spend the money that I've made selling books. So,
2: so well. but yes. Yeah, so, and actually that novella mini book that you handed me, cause it was very thin, but it mm-hmm. was a book. Is part of the Billy the Kid series, actually. Yeah, it's uh, the third story out of the three. Is the short story
1: version of it. I hate this dog so much right now. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> Hi, everybody. Um, <laughs> so uh, he doesn't listen to me. He's like a toddler. Oh, now we have someone answering him. That's great, y'all. <laughs> I don't even know what to do with this because I At can't least stop it. Elvis answering him. I can't, I can't, I can't stop this. There's nothing I can do.
0: With a new book, a uh, new bone. So he he might be quiet yeah. for another 15 minutes. Did you
2: almost time. say a new book?
0: Yes, because Man. I was thinking about your story, but I corrected myself. And just for That's you, okay. know, I, I blame um, Seska for any and all shenanigans that happened during this interview. So just know it was her fault.
2: Okay, cool. I'm okay with that.
1: Um, I have a bottle of wine. So yeah, so the so wherever we were, the third story in that is what eventually became the book series. So yeah, and the first two are just part of the same world.
0: Normally, we would tell you that we ask you the religion question and it determines if you get to stay because there is a wrong answer. But I don't know that Seska would let me kick you, so instead I'm just going to have her ask it anyway, and we could pretend.
2: Oh well, Dare, did you say how you met Tamsin? Oh wait, yeah, you did say it's because I dictated it. Yeah. But I I have to fix your life. You aren't social otherwise. Okay, so our sci-fi religion question of the day is Firefly, Space Cowboy, or Wild Wild West, the movie? Excellent. Firefly. Very good. Hold on. We As can, she shows the
1: Denver. we can continue. We, we can go on and on. Yeah, I've got all kinds of stuff. So.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I may have known the answer to this ahead of time. So, because we are polytheistic, how here are our fantasy religions oh, no. Shadow and Bones, The Never Ending Story, or The Last Unicorn.
1: So, this isn't a fair question because two of those, I don't remember. Oh. And the only reason I know the third one is because of the TV show that's currently out. So Shadow and Bone would have to get my thing because I don't remember the other two because I'm old.
0: I'm old.
2: (laughs) You're not old.
0: So my only problem with Shadow and Bone, and we're going to actually do a panel or a fireside chat on this one, like a review episode, Is the ending the way they left the first season? I'm like, I hate you all. But Netflix
2: does that because they they do that intentionally. They already know they're doing the second season. Yes.
0: Yes, but eight is not a season. Eight episodes, like this is that's like a Leave It to Beaver season. Oh, not a modern season.
1: In in I think only six episodes is a season for some things in England. It's only six for
2: some things on Netflix. It's like Mm -hmm. Shadow and Bones is longer of the Netflix series. And I
1: haven't finished it yet, but you won't ruin it for me. Don't worry. I won't remember.
2: I, I actually have finished Shadow and Bone. And I have started Six of Crows, which is book one of the duology that is also set in the same universe that overlaps. Because...
0: I'm a I, of course, them. am speaking of the TV show. I, I do need to read the books, but I am reworking my way through the Belgariad series. By it's Jason. audio. I know, but right now I'm I just... Say, I'll
1: do things in audio because Mama gets tired after looking at the computer all day. Yeah.
0: I, um, I'm um, i listening to the Belgariad series. And again, that's like probably one of the first things like grown-up books I read back in the day.
2: You read so. grown-up books?
0: I mean, sometimes. They got pictures in them, right? Or, or like kindergarten, I had people read it to me through Audible.
2: Yep. It Story is gone. kind of like being in kindergarten. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. Keep <laughs> us going, Doc. You got to keep us on track. Okay.
2: Right. Forward and forward. Moving on. So which was your first love, sci-fi or fantasy?
1: So it would actually probably be fantasy because my dad read to me the uh, Chronicles of Narnia. Okay. So, so I, would, like, I fell audible in love with those. Audible
0: was Audible. Like was well,
1: so the beauty of my dad is that even though he went and got his degree in English and education, he also minored in theater. And so what he did is he used to read these, he used to read books to me from when I was little. Um and he did all the voices and he really got into it. And so yeah, I let that man read to me till I was probably 16. <laughs> <laughs> That's I awesome. Used to, yeah. I used
0: to do that to my, my parents. Boys were little and then the I remember distinctly the day my oldest whispered to my youngest son they're two years apart if you pretend to be asleep daddy stops I'm like oh okay everybody's a critic I guess oh no so sorry. <laughs> it's okay Oh
2: you know what? I'm not sure if I prefer that over what my son did which was to tell me he started correcting me
0: oh shit I believe it Vikings he tri- wasn't
2: always right Fine, you do it and so then he we went through a phase where he read to me
0: i mean as long as he's reading
2: right that's what matters
0: i mean my were not reading
2: cool.
1: sentences on the page
0: he's making it up i get it but it's creativity so you, your son viking has a cool cool moniker i gotta give mine something better than tweedle d and tweedle dom <laughs> i've got a mission Number one and number two also works. It worked for John Luke Picard. <laughs> number one. He wasn't think- related
2: to those. Number one. People. Number two.
0: That's right. Do you think I could get them to do the uh, the Riker pose, which is sort of like a modified Captain Morgan?
2: Well, maybe, I mean, I guess it's better. My my grandfather referred to us by our positions. You referred oh, to what? my mother as daughter, oh my God. granddaughter, grandson. Younger grandson,
0: you could appreciate that.
2: He was army, <laughs> he was artillery.
0: Oh, I have so. seen some funny videos of veterans doing like they make their kids do the uh before you jump out of a plane lineup before they rush out the door to go catch the bus oh in God. the morning. And I'm like, and you know, I can I can respect the hustle.
2: We had a family friend who used to feed his kids MREs for lunch.
0: That's a lot of calories yeah. for a kid.
2: Thank goodness for those kids that uh, his he got remarried, and um, she refused to feed them MREs for lunch.
0: I can appreciate so, that. I bet they what were really was your, popular when they were getting those MREs at school.
2: Oh, I'm sure they were not. Um, that's okay. Jeffrey was a little sped. like uh, he's. I'm probably gonna get some hate mail now for that, but I've been torturing rewrite. him since I was six. It's okay. Um, So what was your first memory at engaging in the speculative fiction genre? Was it watching TV, listening to your dad, reading you books, playing games? How did you discover this beautiful world? So it's probably a mixture. So, of course, my dad read to me,
1: as I mentioned, Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, He read to me Alpha Centauri, which would be more sci-fi. And then he then brought home... so we're gonna we're gonna definitely show our age here so the teachers used to show movies in class and what it was is it was little slides and you'd hit the little slide projector and the little disc like it was a circle and it would move and the and you knew to switch to the next slide because um the cassette tape that was playing would ding
0: i remember those
1: and that it was how i met wrinkle in time and I invited pretty much every poor person who lived near me. And it was me and what, there's a like five other, six other kids my age on my court that I lived on. I kept telling everybody they had to come see this. <laughs> um, it was just so inventive and so new and different. Um, and then from there, uh, I ended up reading in in sixth grade, I discovered Nancy Drew. and oh. And I started reading Nancy Drew, which and then from there, actually, I discovered, um, uh, you know, R.L. Stein and all those guys. So like it it was uh, it became it was like a progression. It started off with one type of fantasy. It moved in because if you think about it now with the urban fantasy and stuff that I do, there's there's always a mystery Mm -hmm. inside of that fantasy. It's not just it's not just we have to get to this point. Right. There's a mystery in it and so that's sort of it once i re, like really thought about it i was like okay that makes sense considering i started with fantasy and sci-fi got into mysteries and then i ended up in urban fantasy which is i figure um you know the progression that <laughs> that makes much much more sense
2: once i looked well, at well i it. think mystery is very i think urban fantasy predominantly falls into two kind of categories before it was urban fantasy which was it was either mystery or romance oh was it that's cool. and, well it seems like it seems like a lot of urban fantasies fall into if you look at it you think of like the biggest ones they're either mystery or romance
1: right and so you've got either urban fantasy or paranormal. Like carolyn
2: kenyon writes mostly you find a lot of her books have romance mm-hmm. um think about it dresden it's all mystery, very little romance. Laurel K. Hamilton started as mystery and it's kind of turned into romance. It's turned into a very interesting romance of sorts. That's where we'll
1: go
0: with that for now.
2: Yeah. So uh, talk about pointing Beasties.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right. So we're going to get this back in the family friendly territory. So, but and- I
2: mean, it, so it's kind of, it <laughs> actually really fits that what you're saying and that, you know, you started with fantasy, then you went to mystery, and now you do like a fusion of the two. See, I can bring it back. I haven't had most of the mom juice yet.
0: Um, <laughs> so what is it you love about speculative fiction as a genre?
1: Um, I like that you you get to mix it up a little bit um, that there's there's such there's such freedom there. So as I said, I write both urban fantasy and I write historical fantasy because I can kind of get away with doing that. Um, one of the things I thought was really funny is I, when I finished writing the Billy the Kid series and I went and I had to write um, one of the Sky of the Dams. I was like, whoa, this is freeing. This is great. I can make up anything I want. This is fantastic. I can just yeah, if I want that. Sure. I don't have to look at any historical facts. Um, and so uh, there's a freedom in writing fantasy um, because you can create magic systems and you can use your imagination. And not only do you get to take somebody else into another world where they can kind of disappear and enjoy themselves, but you get to do the same thing. You get to be inventive and creative. Um, and you also get to, if, if you're someone who enjoys mystery and trying to figure out problems and stuff like that, um, you get to throw that in there as well. Um, if you're someone who enjoys romance uh, and love stories, you can, take it more in that direction. It just depends. I like to throw a little bit of both in there. um, But I don't usually focus on the relationship as heavily as I do the mystery and whatever, whatever thing we're trying, whatever we're trying to the world to save it. Because as you know, like urban fantasy is always the world's going to end. We must save everyone. (laughs) But I like the freedom and I like the adventure of it.
0: Okay. So how did your love of speculative fiction transition into you writing stories in that space?
1: So uh, my parents had one of the first electric typewriters. God dang, that sounds bad. Um, They did. They had one before any of my friends had like an electric typewriter. Um, So, you know, 70s, right? And I used to go downstairs and, and I used to plunk away at it. And then my mom put me in typing class, which of course I was like, I don't want to take this class. I enjoy doing your book, blah, blah. Moms you are taking this class and I don't care. And I now look at her and go, you were so smart. <laughs> um, and uh, she appreciates that. Uh, so um, And so I learned to type around the same time I was learning to take piano. So I had taken piano for a year or so. And so you learn with piano, you learn independent hand and so typing. So I would start writing short stories on the weekends in my basement. Um, And I just, I loved going down there and just spending some time and I'm an only child. And so um, I would have nothing else to do on, on a wintry afternoon in the weekend if I wasn't performing in a show or going to rehearsal, I would go downstairs sometimes and just sit and I'd write and come up with stories. I'd be down there forever. So I think that one of the things that that drew me to it was it was it was a chance for me to tell my own to tell my own stories, for me to be interested and, and share my own imagination. Because I used to play with Barbies like that was as a little kid, I would I had all kinds of them and I told full stories. Um, my mom said once that I and I don't remember this, but she reminded me because that's what parents like to do. Um <laughs> Let me tell you about your weirdness. Thanks. thanks. Um, she's like, you would tell them, okay, leave everything where it is. Do you guys remember where we are in the story so we can pick up tomorrow? So, yeah. So I've been telling stories since Barbies.
2: And apparently being a theater director. Pretty much, yeah.
0: So many authors let their own real life experiences influence the stories they tell. So were there any specific formidable moments that shape you as a storyteller?
1: um so i was raised in a really christian household very very much so um and um most
2: typewriters were
1: right all right mind you mind you uh, unlike Sherilyn kenyon i did not get raised with the people with the snakes and the tents and the um it was just your typical northern baptist uh upbringing And Northern Um, Baptists are different
2: than Southern Baptists. Yes.
1: Yes, they are. They are. Um, And so uh, what was interesting, though, is that um, if if you read my books, you'll sometimes find I have discovered after writing a certain number of them that there tends to be a couple through lines. And that tends to be things about the soul and um, faith. Um, and stuff like that are very much who I am. And so they end up in my stories. Other than that, um, I'm also a very big advocate for the LGBTQ um, community. Um, and so a lot of my books tend to include characters of different different choices. Uh, and, they, and they also don't tolerate uh, any kind of homophobic or behavior, racist behavior, any of that Um, because i don't either and so that those parts of me definitely permeate into my stories uh without question like there's a section in book two of the billy the kid series where uh one of the guys uses the uses the n-word for one of the buffalo soldiers and billy decks him
2: that's a good idea
1: and but here's the thing someone once said well that's you, not him. I said. Let me tell you a little bit about Billy the Kid. He spoke three languages. He oh. was very much. He was very much uh, a part of the Hispanic community. Uh, he really loved the way the, the people from Mexico and the New Mexicans lived. He spoke fluid Spanish, uh, Gaelic, and of course English. And um, I'm pretty sure that if he wouldn't let the the people, the white folk coming up from Texas who had problems with people in New Mexico at the time, and they were very racist. Uh, I'm pretty sure he didn't like that. And if he didn't like that, I'm pretty sure he wasn't gonna allow that kind of behavior with any other race. So I felt it was justified. So it's me and it's him, but yeah. But yeah, my books definitely have an equality uh, based uh, through line to them very often.
0: OK, so this was going to be a, a little bit different for us, but you did mention that you had a background in the pre-show in theater. Yeah. So do you think that your time on stage um, affects the way you write characters?
1: Oh, yeah, completely. Um, I mean, every what did I grew up doing dialogue. So I, I, I get a lot of reviews talking about how my dialogue feels real, how um, especially if someone actually knows me they'll be like, I can hear you talking to me. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. Oh, good. I'm not the only one. No, you're not. You're not. My friend Ryan, just like last, what, week and a half ago was like, so when I read the book, I I swear I can hear you. And I'm like, yeah, about that. I'm sorry. Um, But it's, (laughs) but it's true. And um, but yeah, because my humor and the way I speak and I, and I write it that way, but um, I also have, I did a lot of Shakespeare and I did a lot of ensemble cast work, both directing and performance. And so because of that, you will find a lot of my books have large casts and that they all work together as a team. Um, and that is definitely a pullover. Not only that, but when you read my books, you will see my books. So they are very visual. Um, Everyone, I've, I cannot, if I had a dollar for every time someone said, when I read your stuff, it's like a movie, I can see it happening. I wouldn't have to sell books anymore. I would just make money on that. So it's, uh, it, it's, so I think that my theater background had a lot to do with that because I think about it visually when I'm writing. Um, I also almost went into TV and production, uh, at one point in time before I went into education. And so, um, and so I think, I think about what the viewer is seeing in that regard. And I like to make sure that when I do world building, I keep that in mind. Okay.
2: <laughs>
0: Doc, you going to be with the us?
2: pictures, the pictures. Jerry, you love pictures. Um, I do,
0: but I'm just making sure you didn't have too much mom juice. Uh, I'm fine.
2: Okay, Maybe. just making sure. So transitioning, it's been a long week with the Viking. Uh, so So transitioning from the writing side but into a more fan angle have you had any cool fan art or cosplay some of your characters yet um so i
1: got a piece of fan art when we were doing sky of the damned um i know we i know someone put it up on the twitter account it's probably it's obviously since it's the internet it's there still Um, but I did, uh, so there is a, um, because sky of the damned, the person who plays that in the web series, uh, she would dress up as sky when we would, when I would go to dragon con and I would, we would do panels. She would dress as that also, um, in case no one else has heard this, I've mentioned it in a few panels, but there is a new series coming out. Uh, from Falstaff with of mine called Moon Over Manhattan. And it's in the same world as the Windfire series. And it is... And this, the girl who actually plays Sky, I met her because I cast her as the lead in that for the photo shoot. And so she goes to cons often and she dresses as my characters. Her name is Lauren Steinmeier. She's wickedly talented.
0: I say wicked a lot. One second. Are you sure you're not? I forgot Virginia?
2: this until just now. You also cosplayed one of your characters. So <laughs> oh, I no have
1: idea. I have cosplayed as Sky twice. And the outfit. And by the way, the outfit that I was going to wear for the page to stage didn't fully happen because I ran out of time. Of course,
2: it's Thursday,
1: right? Cause I was trying to get there and you were like, I need you here now. And I'm like, so there wasn't time for, it would have been a more revealing outfit. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but yeah, it's the black wig. I did the hat. It was fun. So there he is, this is a bit of a self plug, but if you look back, we have, I think some pictures on the fantasy literature of Tamsin cosplaying sky for the fantasy dating game. Oh yes, I did. I played sky. And I was chosen, and you, you were chosen, and you were I'm um, an amazing date option.
0: <laughs> Do I want to know? Is this something that's family friendly? It know. is
2: very family friendly.
1: Ish. Okay, others might have been family friendly. I might not have been fully family friendly. Say that five times fast. Okay. No, <laughs> not with mom juice in you. You're not. No.
2: <laughs> so. Has anybody asked for your autograph away from a convention or a book signing?
1: Yeah, it was the weirdest thing I've ever had happen, I swear to you. I was in a jewelry store here in Albuquerque, um, downtown, I think off Central. And we went in and we were looking, it was jewelry and other knickknacks and cool shit that I can't afford. And a woman got talking with me, found out I wrote, pulled up my website, was like, oh my God, my daughter would love this. And so, so I was like, um, <laughs> I said, uh, okay. She's like, I'd love to have your autograph. And I'm thinking, you've not read a single thing of mine, but okay. So she ends up handing me a receipt or something, a piece of paper. And I signed I signed a piece of paper to her daughter. And my guess is they probably bought the books when they, she got home and they had my signature and stuffed it in there. Is my guess or ended up in the trash. I have no idea. Um,
0: but, uh, yeah, that was probably, that
1: was that I walked out of there. I was like, well, that was surreal. I've never been asked for my signature while shopping.
0: Are you sure you just didn't sign a receipt that says you're agreeing to pay for whatever jewelry they just bought? Right.
1: Hey, I can sign. It doesn't mean they ran my card.
0: This is, this is true. So, so
2: um, have you ha- what is your weirdest or funniest fan interaction since you started writing?
0: Is it Seska? Cuz that would would not surprise that, me.
2: That would totally be on brand. That would be on
1: brand, but you're not the weirdest. I'm so
0: <laughs> Yes! Do you not know her?
1: Oh no, I do. But trust me, I have one that beats that. Uh, oh, Dark Side of the Con, which is a goth con in New Jersey in a hotel that looks like a castle. It's freaking awesome. And oh um it's it's run by it's run by, by vampire freaks. It's fantastic. And um I was on a panel with Lauren actually and I forget what it was about now, unfortunately. I want to say it was about how to get started doing whatever writing or theater or film. I don't remember. And this guy <laughs> this guy goes, so I'm a wizard. And I've been trying to get my cult going in my basement for a while. Now. He is friggin' serious, y'all. Serious.
0: Okay, that wins. Did, did and you know, I'm cult.
1: And I literally looked at, and all of a sudden I feel my hand being tap, tap 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 tap, and it's Laura next to me, like what the, what the, yeah. And we're just sort of like, uh huh, because you're in professional mode, right? You're in professional mode, so you are, you're just sort of like. Okay, well, all right. So, so you, yep, he was, he wanted our input on how to make sure his cult could grow in his parents' basement.
0: In the South, we have expression for people like that. Bless his heart.
1: <laughs> He's going to come across Ooh. his podcast someday and be like, oh my God, that's me.
0: And can put from you?
1: Dude, you were... I'll say it now. Most interesting... It sticks in your head, right? Oh, bless his heart. I'm a wizard. That's literally how he started.
0: What was the audience's reaction?
1: Silence. (laughs) Utter silence.
0: I bet he's like, see, they believe me.
1: It's kind of like when someone who is of a plus or size sits down in a chair that breaks and falls and no one laughs it, yeah. It's yeah the same idea was silence
2: yeah oh my goodness i think that might be the one that wins <laughs> um and that includes the one where robert ross had a fan explain the sex life of his characters to him
1: wait wait <laughs>
2: yeah
1: wait 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 someone explain. someone
2: so robert ross his own characters robert ross does like a a fade to black like he has a couple characters who get married and like oh like, yeah they kiss what are you saying he
1: does the thing that i refer to as theater sex which is we all get into bed the lights go down lights
2: come up we've had sex yeah yeah, so he had a fan explain to him the positions that were going on behind the closed doors. And uh, apparently, this fan viewed one of his characters who's a very mid-century, mid, like 1800-something uh, Irish lass. Very good girl. It's apparently a Rollicon-type girl, according to this fan. For those of you who don't know, it's
0: Google it. Not a,
2: not a Children's Safe Con. Lots of children have come out of it, not as children, safe gone. Um. <laughs> wow.
1: That what did he do?
2: He smiled and nodded, which is probably <laughs> what I would have done too. This Is what you did with your wizard?
0: No, you say. Wait, you knew that too. I thought I was the only one. Oh no, I would not. Okay. <laughs> I tried to keep so, family-friendly people. God I mean, dang!
1: How do you expect these things to be family-friendly? First off, it's it's Siska. Number two, I'm involved. I'm I working hard.
2: Hey, hey, hey. This is still more family-friendly than Casey is out. Okay. And, and, and she was sober and went to church after.
0: I mean, I'm sober, after but I'm not going interview. to
1: church after.
0: I mean, she so, needed to after that interview, though, in all fairness. <laughs> like, she had some repenting to do.
2: Oh, I'm going to tell her you said that.
0: You do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: my Lord. So can you give us the highlight reel, like the just the Reader's Digest version of your body of work?
1: Please put your life of 10 years into three sentences or less. Thank you so much.
0: I write fantasy and want.
1: I blow up things and people fight and there's magic. Um, So, uh, I body of work. I have uh, a couple different series. I've got uh, the Windfire series. I've got Sky of the Damned. I've got a standalone called Mark of the Necromancer, uh, which has held like a four and a half, five star rating on Amazon since it came out. Like, 2013, 2012. I don't remember anymore how old that thing is. Uh, still one of my best sellers at conventions. Um, and then uh, I also have the newest one, which is the, the untold legends, which is the one with Falstaff, which is uh historical fantasy and revolves around Billy, the kid and Lincoln County war and the unsolved murder of a uh, waitress in Las Cruces in, in 1949. Um, but my other stuff is definitely Urban Fantasy. The Sky of the Damned is actually also a web series that you can watch for free online. If you go to my if you just go to tamsandsilver.com, you can find it there. You can also go to skyofthedam.com and you can watch it for free. There's only six episodes. The first book is those six episodes, plus the seventh episode we never got a chance to film. So um so that's kind of the briefness of my of all my stuff. I mean, I could go into more, but you wanted to
2: hear Oh, just blame me, why don't you? JR likes to do that too.
0: It's always Doc's fault just in case there wasn't clear. That's okay.
2: I have big shoulders. So not what I
1: thought you were about to say.
0: I have learned <laughs> not to anticipate anything. It always just ends badly. So well, those all sound fascinating. Today, we're here to talk about the curse of Billy the Kid. So where did you get the premise for this universe? And how would you come up with the ideas? Was it psychedelic, Ouija board, overindulging in that uh, expired uh, trail food, like chili what? and whatnot? No! no, It's the hatch
2: green chilies, man. Yeah, I say, it's hatch green chili. Um, oh, I miss hatch green chili mac and cheese. Ooh, I can make some of that for dinner.
1: Thanks so much.
0: Um... I don't even know what that is. I mean, I know what mac and cheese is, but.
1: Oh, hatch green chili, honey. Oh, mm, you're missing. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, So question. Uh, (laughs) So we go back, we go back a good amount of years here. Um, I hadn't gotten anything into an anthology yet and I wanted to, it's one of the better ways for people who are self-published to kind of get their name out there. And uh, Misty Massey and the group uh, in the Carolinas decided they were going to do a weird Western anthology. And I thought, I can do that. I'm from Michigan. Midwesterners, we're crazy. We're like, yeah, sure. Why not? I'll give that a try. And, uh, and so I was like, well, what do I know about history out West? Nothing. I know nothing. So I Google and I'm like, oh, hey, Billy the Kid. I know about Billy the Kid. No, no, I didn't. Not in comparison. (laughs) So I start reading and (laughs) I go into Wikipedia and I see this thing about John Tunstall and about how he was murdered and how Billy was there for that. And how that kind of is what plagued him and and everything for what ended up being the Lincoln County War. And I was really fascinated by the monopoly of it all and how it really revolved a lot around money not a shock. Um, But I directed The Crucible when I was teaching high school. And we, that, for those of you who don't know, the Salem Witch Trials were about land. Okay. So I was very fascinated in the concept that, you know, it looks like it's this, but you need to pivot, right? And you need to look at what it really is about and so um and so i said well i want i can write a short story about this portion of it and i saw the opening and i did research and i reached out and uh talked to the people in lincoln i actually got a hold of someone who works at the historical society and i wrote a short story and i turned it in and it got rejected (laughs) um and it got rejected because they loved it and here's why they loved it they thought it was a book and they didn't want to tie up the rights with them uh, and they thought I should write the novel and I had already made the decision I was going to write the book version of it so I agreed with them and as much as I was heartbroken it was probably the best refusal I've ever had and so they they had ended, so it ended up becoming a full series of books one and two are out and book three will be coming out I believe this winter as my dog the background. yes I'm very excited book three is going to be I'm really proud of book three. I wrote that during a goddamn pandemic, y'all.
0: So, so do you know, this is a trick question, because some people give the wrong answer, and I'm a history oh, nerd. Geez. How many people did Billy the Kid actually kill?
1: I wait. I can't see.
0: There, actually, I've seen speculation of nine, but popular culture credits him with 21.
1: Popular um, culture credits him with 21. He, was, he killed 21 people for his 21 years. No. no I, I've
0: no. seen lists that have nine.
1: Yeah, um, no, I mean, like he was involved in the murder of some other people, but as far as he, you know, for a fact, he shot and killed them. It's five.
0: Well, I think they're they're using modern legal standards of accessory to the crime made him guilty of the crime. I think when they the paper if they do are off. that,
1: then yes, then you would end up counting. Uh, you would end up counting. Um, uh, you know, of course, the sheriff and his deputy on April first in eighteen seventy eight. You would end. And up they were counting, counted. Yeah, so if you're counting those then yeah, you're talking 8 or 9.
0: So, most people get that wrong. So you can tell who's actually done a modicum of research if they get less than 21. I'm like, "Okay, you've thought about it."
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Well, here's the here's what's really interesting is that, you know, of the people he did kill, the thing that he went to trial for and got found guilty for was the murder of Sheriff Brady. Chances are he is not who shot Sheriff Brady. Um, but there was all, there was a bunch of regulators in the corral at the, at the door of the corral shooting at him and his two deputies as they were heading down the street. And it could have been anybody. There's no proof that just Billy is the reason that, and, but yet that's what they took him to court for. And that's what he was found guilty. and was supposed to hang for.
0: Yep. All right. We'll get back on track because Doc is over there falling asleep with my my history nerd status. So, uh, before we dig in, we're gonna, uh, to the story itself. We wanted to share the book cover and uh, and see. Yeah, I, I like it. I can actually see most of those colors. So, what made you decide to go for this uh, this motif? Like, how did you come up with the design for this?
1: Um, what happened was that they they sent me some options. Uh, And what they were planning to do with the with the art and they were going to go a little more Penny Dreadful, not the way back original, but but more recent, not TV show version, but earlier. And um, and it looked like a Western. And I said, it's a fantasy novel. And if you name something, the curse of Billy the Kid and you make it look like a Western book, people are going to pick it up and think it is nonfiction. And then they're going to get to werewolves and they're going to be really pissed. And so um, I really said I I need the covers to have a fantasy element to them. And thankfully, um, the book artist on this, Melissa MacArthur, um, does my editing and she did the book design. And she found an artist who had these three pictures that were just perfect. And this is the first one in the series. And we purchased all three from that artist for the three novels. And they basically are a cowboy who is disintegrating as he's coming closer and closer towards the camera. Um, uh, And so in this one, he's far. and the next one, he's closer, and you can see more of him, and he's really disintegrating. And the third one is the skeleton, as he's right up in front of you.
0: Nice. Nice. Yeah. All right, we will put that on the side screen now, and we will continue. I I like the the simple, though. It's it's sort of evocative. Uh, And the flames on the background that give it that sort of otherworldly vibe as well. So let's move on to the book itself. What would your 30-second elevator pitch for this novel be?
1: Uh, it's probably even less than 30 seconds. I tell them, you know, it's like if Young Guns got the history right, but then threw in some magic and werewolves for good measure. And that, and if you've seen Young Guns, I guess that's the only way it may, you understand. Uh, if you've never seen the movie Young Guns, it's a little harder to, to go that direction. But... Um, But that's really what it is because Young Guns is based on that on the Lincoln County War. And mind you, the history of it and what they've done is absolutely horrific. Um, But it's entertaining and it's fun. And I'll be honest, Emilio Estevez does a pretty great rendition of Billy. Um, I I didn't find that that was that off. I enjoyed that a lot. Um, I mean, I know they keep talking about doing another movie and I'm like, Emilio Estevez cannot play that role anymore, y'all.
0: Why
1: not? I mean, I guess with movie magic, if you can make, you know, if you can make Will Smith look like his younger self in a movie, you can probably make Emilio Estevez look younger as well. So,
2: but
0: you know what they say 50 is the new 21 or something? I don't know. They
2: are no stop.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: If people are more into history, listen to you. If people are more into history and if they say they're not, you know, if they're like, Oh, I've never seen young guns. I'll say to them, I'll be like, I'll be like, so this is the history of Billy, the kid. Exactly. I only changed three things. And then I wrapped that history in fantasy to support it.
2: Okay. So that yeah. works. See, I've actually seen young guns. My, yeah. my dad likes to watch old movies with. Them. Oh, I love how, I love how you're like, that's so old that. Um, But yeah, well, my dad and I also watch black and white movies. So, I mean, it's younger than some of the movies we watch. So, um, yes, my favorite black and white movie will probably always be I Was a Male War Bride. I've never
1: seen that. So, okay.
2: So good. Um, But what is it that makes your series special and unique among alternate history as kind of a big genre?
1: because I focused on getting the history exact. Um, a lot of people are, they're like, oh, I do historical fantasy or historical fiction. And, they, and they're and they like, I use this historical thing and it takes place during a historical time. But my story just in, is involved in that. Mine is the actual war. Mine does include actual history. It's a history lesson in the actual war um, that happened in Lincoln at the time. Um, it gives you know and obviously there are things we still don't know for sure and there's like three things like oh we th- I hear this happen, know this, know this I picked one because I can't do all three but um, one of the things that's different is mine is a history lesson um, and I make history fun in this. I mean you know I was a did you take theater, you take theater educator and a writer and you put them together. <laughs> And, and you get and you get a history novel that is fun and takes you on a really a, a nice adventure where you actually get to be in Billy the Kid's Head and you get to experience his friendships and his hardships and his love and you get to go to you get to fight with him you get to uh, experience the real history of the Lincoln County War and um, And then you get the fun of the fantasy element to it that gives it a little bit of a bump and and makes it a true adventure, no matter if you're a guy or a girl like, you know, guys, I've I've been surprised by uh, the fact you I really thought that this would draw more men because it's Billy the Kid. But that's not really been the case. Um, It's been pretty equal, but it's it's definitely I think the historical aspect uh, and the fact that the fantasy supports it.
0: So overall, do you think Billy the Kid was a good guy?
2: So, I, uh, oh.
0: I asked her overall if she thought Billy the Kid was a, was a decent human being that just caught up in the times, or do you think he was evil?
1: No, he was a good guy. Um, here's the thing about Billy. He had a little bit of a temper. Okay, uh, But that's really not shocking. A lot of people back then, I mean, you're talking 100-and-something-proof booze. Uh, two sheriffs for a county the size of South Carolina – a lot of uh, anger and no money and a lot of gunpowder. So you do the math. Um, But I think he was really caught up in a time period that wasn't for him, but he was loyal. And that is the one thing we have to remember that when he was there, when John was murdered, John was one of the first people to really treat him well as a young man um, after he'd run off. And he was and a little bit indebted to him. Now there are people that say that he looked up to Tunzel as a father figure, which I don't think so. I mean, Tunzel was in his mid twenties, uh, unlike in young guns when he's like 40 something for some reason. Um, but, uh, I think that he's known for being well spoken, uh, for treating women with respect. Um, he was known for being actually a well, well-dressed young man, even though you wouldn't see that in the one picture that's well known of him, uh, it's cause he just had come in from working in the fields. Um, but he spoke, as I mentioned, he spoke multiple languages and he was very much loyal and he did have a temper, but a lot of people shot and the fact that he only killed like for sure the number he did compared to how other people ran things there, it says a lot, but, um, yeah, I I think he was a good guy, but I think he just kind of was born in the wrong time and place.
0: Okay. All right, Doc. Sorry to interrupt. You can go back to your regularly scheduled questions.
2: <laughs> well, I was gonna ask her which right. tropes does she think the curse of Billy the kid hits best. Because I love uh, my trophies.
1: The reluctant hero. That's a that's a that's a trope that that I think Billy hits well because because he does have a lot of flaws, you know, and because he doesn't see himself as some savior. And yet, and yet he is the one that's going to make the last call. If you look at the history from the last day of the five day battle, um, McSween had become kind of catatonic. The house is burning down around them and they've got to figure out what to do. Billy is young. He is all of like, what? God, at that point he is... Geez, eight, 17, 18. He's he's really young. And he just decided, all right, this is what we're gonna do. He, tried, he, he gets basically, he basically brings McSween out of his catatonic state, makes a plan for everyone to escape, and he says, We are, I'm gonna run out first and draw their fire so you guys can escape. That is who he was even though he never saw himself as a hero. So I think that the reluctant hero trope is what fits in best and works the best for the series. Oh, and bromance. If I don't say this, my friend Emily will kick my ass. There's definitely, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a sexual romance, but it is a definite bromance between uh, Billy and Richard Brewer and their friendship is definitely a, a focus throughout the series.
0: Okay, I like that. Did we bore you, Doc? No, no, you did not.
2: I was just thinking. I love a good bromance. They're kind of adorable when they don't get too annoying. Um, Mm -hmm. so Jr. likes to ask what subgenres that this fits into, or at least he likes to have me ask about the subgenres.
1: Well, I think that what I already said about it does that. So if, um, if you're calling it historical fantasy, it would also fall under historical fiction. It would fall weird under, West. it would fall under weird West and it would fall under probably just fantasy in general. Um, there is a slight, there's no real mystery in this other than they're trying to catch the big bad. Right. And figure out why, you know, you learn throughout the series what the curse on Billy really is and how it works. Um, So there's that, but there's no, you know, we're not trying to solve a murder mystery in the first, in the first book. In the second, we start that. And the third, we definitely step more into uh, a mixture. The third book is going to uh, be historical Uh, it's going to be not just historical fantasy, but it's going to have a little bit of that murder mystery as well as we're trying, as I take you through the actual real investigation of the death of Cricket Coogler, whose death was never solved. Are you going to solve the death? At least in the book? No. And here's why. Um, Her murder was horrific and it was never solved. They do know it had to do with the mob the chicago mob and um whoever whoever did it i don't know and i don't want to point fingers and call out who i really think it was even though i've watched the documentaries and i've talked to people and there's pretty much a consensus who we're pretty sure ha- as had it done not necessarily did it but had it done um, but i'm not going to call that out because there's no proof and these people still have families that are alive and not right. only that, not only that, but I could make it be a fantasy element, right? I could say, all right, I'm gonna just decide and part make it part of the fantasy storyline. Um, the people who killed her do not get to good off the hook in my story. period. Not after what they did to her. So they don't they don't get, me to write a story where I blame uh, some fantastical creature instead of the person who actually did the horrible things they did to her. So they don't get that from me. I won't give them that. So, um, but I I do lead people down a path to get the idea. And I'm hoping people will then read the books that are about her and draw their own conclusions and see the facts.
0: So what do you mean they've got family that's still alive? I guess they're grand, great grandkids or something?
1: oh yeah, it's kind of like seeing the Santa Fe ring during Billy the Kid Days isn't around anymore. It totally is around. Um, and these people, uh, in New Mexico had big families and those families had big families. Um, you know, Doc Skerlock, who was the, um, third leader of the regulators, his, I have met his family. I've met his, his, I guess it'd be what his great grandkids or So, um, People in New Mexico stay in New Mexico and they have big families and those families go out and they are all, the re- people are related. Um, so um, I would prefer that those people not zero in on me uh, saying you did it because there is no proof who did it specifically.
2: That's a good answer. And, and I mean, and that's very valid too. I can't, I'm not
1: going to start claiming someone did something when there's no proof and they've not actually been, I mean, I can, I can give, I can put the evidence that did come out in the books in mine. And I can mention all the things and I can tell you from speaking with people who know about body injuries and stuff, we've pretty much broken down what we think exactly what the possibility of how she died. It's not cool. Um, and, uh, so it's one of those things where I don't, I don't want to make claims because what if in 10 years, suddenly some piece of paper is found and they know who killed her and then, then I'm no longer historically, you know what I mean? So not only that, um, I don't, like I said, um, I would never like to take that person off the hook for what they did. So I won't invent someone who is the reason
2: fair enough she deserves better so can you tell us going back to billy the kid kind of how well you kind of have been telling us all about billy so um and not this is really unusual because normally we're like so how do you create the care you 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 create the character through um research and i guess that's Mm -hmm. what makes him so unique as a main character is that this is actually almost a biography you're pulling so
0: much from the real person. Well, well, maybe maybe it's not. So how much of Billy the Kid, as you wrote him, is Billy the Kid the historical figure? And how much of him is Billy the Kid as envisioned by Tamsin Silver?
1: Um, I would say it's a 75-25 split. Um, I used a lot of what I read about him to build who he is. Uh, but of course it's gonna have my spin on it, right? I'm the creator. Um, It's in my head. Um, But um, I I feel like in in some ways that it is, you know, I wouldn't say it's 50-50. I would say there's more history there. I mean, obviously, with all the dialogue, no one knows for sure what dialogue is what, right? I mean, some of the lines we know things he said, and I use those, but those are like a handful of lines, right? So if you go that direction, if you're talking about as far as things said then then it goes the other way right 25% maybe you know history and 75% in so um but there are characters in the story that are fake so um i do have a witch um i do have a shapeshifter um he's a he's a skinwalker um, and I have I have a couple fantasy creatures and people who I invented for the storyline because I needed them. So uh, so there are there are creatures and there are people in there that I invented, but the majority of the characters in the story are historical.
2: Okay. So, um, can you tell us anything about any of the cool secondary characters you have?
1: Um, other than Brewer? <laughs> Um, I mean, mind you. I do know do you consider richard brewer a, a, a secondary the second book has his name on it, um which I have I don't know hold on, I think I have it here. Here we go. That is the cover of the second book. Um, mm-hmm. Brewer is uh, a secondary character, obviously, since it's not from his point of view. Um, he was a very honorable man, and he died way too soon um in history. And so uh, the fact that I get to write him for longer than he really lived is really fantastic. Um, and, and to be able to bring out this, this man and how much people looked up to him. He was the very first leader of the regulators. And um, he was a guy who really, if this hadn't happened, if he didn't have such a high moral standing for justice, uh, the guy would have lived out in the middle of nowhere and had a million animals in a barn and just been really happy just to be out there by himself. And yet, he ended up the leader of the regulators and killed in battle. Um, and uh, they used they called him. I think there's a reference. Uh, I call him the lion because uh, he was fierce. Uh, if he felt law and order, he had to be done. So it's very much that way. Um, some of the other secondary characters that I think people will really like is the Skinwalker Raven, um, and uh, he is. So he's from a, he is actually from a tribe up in Alaska uh, that, um, who the raven is very important to them. And his character is very, um, very important. I needed to find a way, since this is written in first person, I needed to find a way for uh, Billy to learn things because, and the reader to learn things that are going on that he wasn't actually there for. And so I wrote a scene where the, um, where they become connected in a way where they can, he can see what the bird sees. Okay. And so, uh, and so he's a very integral character and he's very fun and he looks all of 12 and he's 60 something. Right. So of course he wants to go have a beer and they're like, you can't, they're like, Okay. And he's like, shut up, youngster. I'm 60, get out of my way. And Billy's like, put on some pants. So, um, cause he has a tendency when he shifts to be naked and he doesn't see any problem with that. Billy wants him to own pants. Um, so uh, another uh, secondary character would be one of the, a uh, witch uh, that is in this. Um, Zahara is really important. She is kind of the, the heart of the whole series. And what she's there for and how she helps train him. And and so, I, you know, I'm well known for strong female characters. There wasn't, there wasn't, there was no chance in hell I was not going to create one in this story. Yeah. And there's more than one. You get another one in book three.
2: Yay. I know you struggled with book three. Oh, you my. You would occasionally God. call me and be like, like, okay, that was a lot of profanity. So I guess your writing's not going well. And you're like, no, it's not. <laughs> No,
1: no. But Kennedy's a great character. I'm looking forward to people meeting her. You don't get her for much of the book, um, but there is a chance I'm going to write a prequel story with her for when she was solving crimes in New York City.
2: Yes, she sounds yeah. really awesome. She's she's, a,
1: she's she's a vampire and she's a, a socialite, and she's very she's very funny. She's just she was kind of my she was kind of my. I'm going to put something fun in this story since it's all about <laughs> solving murder. Yeah. So, so Kennedy was that she teaches Billy all about women's clothing. It's great. Oh God. I, of the time period. Think about it.
2: Oh no, I was. Yeah. Oh my uh, that, really? that will be well worth the money. <laughs> right. So yeah. Anyway. So that's a
1: little bit, a few of the characters um, that I think people will really enjoy is they'll, they'll get, they're going to like some of the, non-historical characters as much as i think they're going to enjoy uh meeting the the ones that are actually from history
0: okay so when you did your historical characters that that or excuse me your non-historical characters for secondary did you let like character archetypes from people we knew existed or did you uh, like how did you keep the personalities how they would be period because You know, you can't just take modern human. I mean, like there's there's some samiality across the board, like people are people, but you think differently when you grow up in different situations. Right. So how did you keep the feel of someone that would be from that period without using the um, actual historical figures to match? Because you've created a very specific tone doing it your way because you wrote people that were really there and stuck to the, the historical record. So how did you match that, like, when you wrote the secondaries, like the witch and the?
1: It's 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 all about your world build, okay. Um, you don't have to really worry about any of that if your world is built and you see it and you live in it, then the parameters and the restrictions of that world build will help pull those people into that situation, okay. Um, one of the things that it was interesting is that. Um, I used to, I was living in New York city when I first was working on the series and I was, I was reading my main book, um, was by, um, let me see if it's here. Um, and I, here it is. So if anyone's really into the Lincoln County war, I will recommend
2: this book by Frederick Nolan.
0: Oh, hold on for just a second. Yep. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give you the solo layout so you can show the book.
2: There the Lincoln go. County war by Fred, Fred by Frederick Nolan. Yep. It is a, it's
1: got, a, it's got a little bit going on. I have so much highlighting and handwritten notes in this thing, but I literally carried this thing all over the subway for years going through taking notes, you know, figuring out which went where. And um, I came up out of the subway one morning and it just dawned my head. All of a sudden I stepped out of the subway and all of a sudden I was like, I had to bring my head back into the current year because I was so steeped in reading uh stuff that takes place in the 1870s that my head just when i came into the into and 19 and 2018 i was like oh wait and it was interesting to me to realize that dick brewer died before electricity was ever like invented right yeah so it it so if you create your world correctly right? If you create it with the historical, so for instance, I went and did the research because I decided my werewolves couldn't change unless the moon was up in the sky. Yeah, because that's easy. Um, so now I've, li- I've limited myself. However, the more limitations I found that I put on myself as an author, I feel the better I became as a writer. And and not having electricity, not having, um, I had to invent a way for them to see. So I had to invent a, a thing for a light. Um, I had to remember, you know, how tea was done back then. Like there's all these little things. And as long as you remember the time period you're in and what they can and can't do and what they do and don't have and how that affects them as people, I don't think, I never sat down and said, oh, I need to make sure I write this person as affected by the time. I never, I never had that thought. Um, and maybe it shows through, maybe someone's going to read it and say, Oh, Hey, this, this doesn't work here. And that's fine. Yeah. Um, but mostly for me, it was, if you stick to your world build, um, this should happen. It happened naturally. As far as I could see it, obviously the dialogue and how I write things are a little more modern because we have a modern audience, right? Um, If you go read something by Jane Austen and you actually read, read it. it Have you ever done that? It's a very yes. difficult
2: process. It's Not the same thing. It's I was an
0: English major thing. once. Yeah. I've done that.
2: Yeah. I was it's not, not an English didn't... major. I was just tortured by my professor.
1: <laughs> so yeah. So it's not written in the old timey fashion. I've used some of the words from back then. I can't think of one of them at the moment, but in the first book that like some swearing and some of the other things they Whereas they might mad as a March hare. stuff like Maybe that. So my grandmother used to use that phrase. Yeah.
0: We should bring some of those back.
1: We could. There's some of them that are new, that are interesting in there. Uh, Dag Nabbit was one of them. And someone was like, that's what I'm like, my God, I remember my parents saying that. It
0: yeah, is. i that one too. Yeah. So how much of a, of a role do you factor in the role? Because I've read some books on this period. It wasn't what I specialized in in college, but you know, I find it fascinating. And a lot of them, it seemed to ignore the role that being 1870s, they were literally like war weary from these people all remember, at least most adults, the Civil War.
1: Yes, because and within we, the Buffalo Soldiers were still there at Fort Stanton. Um, and in so, fact, Fort Stanton had a full full group of people there and they got very involved in Lincoln County War. So that's definitely in there.
0: Yeah, the, the, the Buffalo Soldiers that were formed, during the Civil War as, as mm-hmm. units to fight for the North, when yes. they were you know, trying to reunify in the 1870s during Reconstruction, they sent a lot of those units out West and including some of the renationalized, I'm not sure the proper word, for all the former Confederates that wanted to get their citizens back after the war. They sent a lot of them out West to populate it to get like get mm-hmm. distance from, from the Confederate States areas. And so a lot of those Buffalo soldiers, at least the senior sergeants, would have been veterans of that war.
1: Yes, that is correct.
0: Uh, I, that's every time I read, and they don't factor that in, even just on the, the the local psyche. It always irks me. I'm like, no, 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 no. Those kind of things just don't happen and have no effect on you.
1: Yeah, no. The, the, these people, they they are not only that, but you had the Civil War. You had the Harrell War, which was the Harrell family had come up from Texas, and they 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 caused a really big problem in that area. From
0: Texas, I'm shocked.
1: <laughs> a bunch of white boys from Texas came up Killing a bunch of Hispanic people No way um, So yeah, it would they caused a problem In fact, what's interesting is the house that the Harrell Lived in Is the house that Dick Brewer Eventually owned and lived in And then Frank Coe bought it After Richard Pass And it's now known as the Coe Ranch And I've been in it Cool Yeah
0: so, um, other than you know the the werewolves or the all of that kind of stuff, who are the bad guys that you have Billy the Kid fighting?
1: Um, so I, because Billy's family is from Ireland originally, and because um, Dolan and Murphy were Irish, I went to look at Irish folklore, and I came across uh, a baddie, and she was considered the uh, the basically the head of the dark realm of the other world. Okay. She is the queen of that and pronouncing her name is really horrible, but I will do my best because I didn't, I didn't create her. I didn't come up with this horrible name. It is. It's in, you can find it in Google, but it looks like the word is sketch and it said ska. And it's Gaelic. And she was and uh, it said that she was the creator of monsters and heroes. And I thought that was a fascinating idea to explore. And so uh, she is the big bad. Uh, Billy cannot have his curse cannot be lifted until she's dealt with. And she's from the other world. She's like She's not a god, but she's darn close. And so she's just happens to be on our plane because she was bored. Um, and so she's wreaking havoc. As you um, do, when you're as bored. You, as you do, if you're an evil god. And um, and so hey, boredom is evil, right? And so uh she is the big bad for um it for him for the entire first for these three books
0: so we all know and this is going to be spoilers people but Billy the Kid dies in the end uh, so at what point in this series arc is he taken out because um, obviously that's the conclusion well presumably the conclusion is when he dies but he could have joined Elvis in, in you know Tupac and, and wherever that dog, Right. alright
1: so this will be a little window into the other part of the story So the story takes place in two time periods. It takes place in 1878, and then it also takes place in 1949. Billy is the protagonist in both time periods. He has not aged. That is part of his curse. And so um, he does not die in 1881, but you'll have to read through the end of book three to see how he gets out of that.
0: I'm just going to ask you one question. Can there be only one? (laughs)
1: <laughs> no she okay. can make more than one hero but she doesn't make them often and she makes them out of orphans often um and so uh so the, in the story there are two of them um you, you,
0: did you intentionally do it was the orphans part of the lore or did you intentionally do that because of the tendency to make all uh protagonists seem to be like orphans as their starting point
1: no it just turned out that way so here's the here's the interesting thing um I knew that Billy was, and of course he became an orphan when he was in his early teens or 12, I think. Um, but then I chose the other one to be one of these other characters, historically based, not Brewer. Um, and, um, when I did when I chose him and that was my decision, I'd already done that. And then I learned that he didn't have anyone left out there in his life. So it was coincidence. Um, it was coincidence. And then, um, what was interesting is that without thinking about it, I wrote it. So the short story in, in that book that Seska mentioned that I gave her um, at the con um, there is uh, there is a guy um, and he is the, one of the first spirit warriors who is made on this continent. And, um, and I chose him because he had an interest, you know, his, you know, He fit my what I wanted storyline one. He was a real person who came over on the Mayflower. Um, And so I wanted to use him for that. And after I chose it, I, I realized he also had been an orphan. And so it wasn't it just so happened I'd chosen three different men. Um, who had been orphaned and I hadn't planned it that way. It just happened so eventually in the book, I I, I have to address it, right? So I'm like she, and so I make the decision that she chooses them. but that wasn't something from uh, that wasn't actually something from researching her on online and Gaelic folklore or anything. That was my decision based on choices I had made without realizing.
0: So speaking of characters, you did a lot of horrible things to yours, uh, including cursing Billy, poor Billy. So, if they ever met you in a back alley, knowing that you were Tamsin Silver, the creator of their torment, how do you think that plays out?
1: Oh, I think it doesn't play out badly at all. Um, uh, I mean, there are other characters that may not be so thrilled with me. I think if Dolan met me, he'd be unthrilled. Um, he was not a happy man, and he was not a he was very loyal to his friends. But he, if you weren't his friend, I mean, he's the one that had Tunstall murdered. Um, he, I don't think necessarily he'd be happy with me, except for the fact that I take some of the blame off of him, um, and put it onto this other entity. But, um, no, I think here's what's really great. Everybody knows about Billy. Um, but he's never, he never really gets to be seen in this kind of heroic light with his real history and choices. Um, I think, I think he'd like, the fact that we did, you know, that I sat down and did this. Brewer never gets talked about. And there's a whole book with his name on it now. And I think it's important people remember him for who he was. And um, and Cricket, um, Cricket saved New Mexico from becoming basically Las Vegas everywhere, okay, in the state. Um, she saved this state. And so I thought, I think if they all got to see me in a back alley, they'd buy me a drink.
0: Awesome. Well, hopefully not back alley drink. You know, you want something a little higher class. <laughs> I'm um,
1: not a little higher class. Really you didn't... went there, You really went there. You really went there.
0: I mean, you know, I do what I can. I have standards. So, <laughs> well,
1: at least one
2: of the 3 of us does.
0: Yeah, I has. have
2: standards and the discipline to enforce them. <laughs>
0: uh-huh. So finally, uh what can you tell us about the universe and many worlds where the story is told is as much Uh, character as a protagonist and antagonist so obviously this is set in the 1870s so we know what that is and if you don't their history books people and your education department failed you but can you talk a little bit instead about where you veered off the the um, the path with the history
1: yeah um as in the fantasy or as in going into the other time period
0: uh it's the fantasy because you know that's what's going to make yours yours different than just a standard historical novel
1: um so The fantasy element of it has to do with um, this friendship between Brewer and Billy and what happens with Brewer. um, And I don't want to give that away, Um, but I wanted to, with the fantasy element, it really makes you question, makes you question the authority. It makes you question what you're told. So for instance, they tell Billy these are demons. You're killing demons. And one of them is back in human form, is in is in wolf form, and looks right at him. And he can see the person. And he starts questioning, what's really going on here? Why are they? Have, why does the? Why did the regulators, the people in charge of the regulators, that those people based out of England, um, you know, did they lie to me? Am I killing? Am I killing someone who's not a demon? And it's, um, and so it's a little bit of, a, of a questioning of a growing and, um, and understanding who you are as a person and what you stand for. Um, as you start, as he starts going, okay, well, I know these people told me this, but what do I see? What do I see on my own? And what do I learn? And what do I understand? And so, um, but it also gives you, you know, and some of those are still bad people underneath the, sh- the shifting of their shape. Right. And so, um, and, he, and throughout the series, you get to learn how he can save them. Uh, because as I mentioned, saving souls, a lot of background in Christianity. Um, and uh, so, um, but it also gives it a monster element and some fighting and some really great connections for him to make. Because he's got these fantasy creatures that are his enemy, but then he starts to learn might not be. But how does other people see them? Right. And then he meets this other one, this shape, this bird, and, and and there's a connection there that he can't get away from, and he has to figure out how that works. And so he becomes very intricately entwined with the fantasy element because he alone is part of that fantasy element. He is cursed. He is going to live on. The only way he can end his curse is by taking out a certain amount of these creatures or sending her back to basically to the other world to hell. Um, And so he's got to earn that. He's got to get it done. But as he does it, he then doesn't age and he has to watch those. He loves die. So he is. So the way it's different is I've really taken that fantasy and it's truly woven into that personality and their experiences to help them make decisions and move forward with the storyline and the
0: plot. Does that make sense? It does. Okay. you, You still with us? (laughs)
2: <laughs> right here
0: <laughs> So the Curse Not of I'm Billy kid is. Kid I'm like have, have some
1: more mommy juice honey
0: So uh, <laughs> the Curse of Billy the Kid Is clearly a series I know because it says so on Amazon There are currently two books out in the series And you mentioned a third being yes. written so, But after that is their story done Where do you see this going
1: That is such an awesome question um, It's as if you do this for a partial living um, So I, I- wish I wish. Okay, I'm just trying to help. Um, so I came up with how I want to continue the series. Um, it, of course, ends in, in 1881 um, with Billy doing. I got. I can't say it. So yeah. Anyway, so doing something doing that something that eventually ends up in England um, while and breathing. It, right. So what, um, I pitched the next, and I've talked about this on some panels, so I can talk, I can, I can give the gist of it, but the story will continue. Uh, it will continue to be historical fantasy. Um, it will not be weird. The first book will still be a little bit in the West because it'll be in Texas in 1885. Uh, oh, um, don't know how much a book one will sit in that or if they'll be back. I'm still working on on all the research for it. But we'll be following, much like in the third book of the first series where he's trying to find who killed somebody, uh, we are going to follow one escaped creature from the other world again. It's not the same one, but we are going to be dealing with that and the serial killers of the Midnight Assassin, uh, the Thames Torso Murderer, Jack the Ripper, and H.H. H. Holmes. So it's a little bit of research,
2: just a little, a little
0: bit. All right, Doc. Um, next one's on you. Twenty. So
2: I know it's number twenty-nine. So we know some of the best literary universes have their own internally consistent rules of science and technology. Um, did you keep? First of all, did you keep the same kind of level of tech in these books? as in history
1: yes so if uh, there's no electricity in in yeah. 1878 um they, so they, is magic is, out there is about? a magic they do have a Bahava lamp which is a certain kind of stone that when a certain word is said it glows from within and it's like so it's a big glowing rock it's their version of i guess of a, sort of like a flashlight or a torch so kind of like a, a, those
2: rocks out lamps similar, different, different material, but yes. So do you have, um, of all of what you invented magic wise, is there something that you would steal and use for daily use?
1: Ooh. Cause I'm like thinking about anything. Most of it's all spells and things that happen. Um, as the Jeopardy theme music now
2: plays in my head, um, I know it's always a hard one. If it makes you feel any better, we've had people who read these like days in advance and are still stumped. Um, as far and then we as, had people who jump on all over it, like um, they're like, "Oh, it's a big gun," <laughs> but they're boys. Um, I think that
1: if there was anything from it that I would want, it would be um, it would be Billy's talent of healing um and uh of, of being injured and healing and and continuing onward and the fact that he he gets to pull some of the power from the creatures he kills um and he gets their strength and and their sight and a little bit of all their so i think so that something i love but that's not necessarily a gadget because i don't really have any no 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 but magic magic, magic. magic's a gadget in this case yeah I, and he yeah. like i said he considers what happened to him he considers it a curse Um, and not uh, a gift and
2: so that's his own issue how would you have used it in daily life you'd go to con and take tips for curing hangovers right
1: right no he can't he can't well he can heal people a little bit um i would use it to you know my dog is injured he's getting old i'd help use it to elongate his life
2: that seems fair that's not even abuse that's totally normal that that's (laughs) totally legit reason if i were if we were to say
1: abuse uh i'd be I'd go out there and try to you know help the police and i would do stuff and try to solve crimes because i still love that stuff even though i didn't go into it <laughs> that'd be abuse
2: well you kind of have with the, some of your writing so um you have some fantastic creatures in it in your universe um did you mostly let history inspire you or was it just too much uh Hatch green chilies?
1: Nah. No, I I you know the reason I mean, they're I weird don't
2: want my Hatch green chilies so
1: bad right now. I'm sure so, I I will send you some. Um or I will bring some if I can I'll bring some to Atlanta when I when I'm there next month.
0: Yay.
1: Uh, I can always send them to you uh through Boy Toy. <laughs> <laughs> I should give his real name his name is Malachi and oh, he has um, <laughs> anyway uh, where were we green chilies boy toys moving on so um uh
2: I know we, the best people um what was the question <laughs> uh magical creatures are they inspired by your oh. nightmares history or too much green chilies history and world build.
1: So if it takes place out there, I wanted to go with, um, I wanted to do stuff that really felt like the world. And so what would have been very commonplace to see out there would have been, would have been coyotes. Um, and so these are just the, I used wolves. They're about, they're a little bigger, but it, it, it blends more into Western to use wolves and coyote. Um, but the Raven also uh, he's, he's of the people. And he's of that tribe, and and then the witch, she is actually uh, the first female. She's the first witch or magic user on uh, on this continent that uh, Skaa makes, and uh, she is from a tribe as well. And so, um, so it they are, so it's pulled from the world itself at that time uh, and history versus anything else, because the molest- the the. Um, there were still a lot of tribes and there still are. I think there's like 18 or 19 different tribes that surround Albuquerque alone at this point in time. Uh, But the Mescalero were obviously um, around a lot uh, in that area specifically. Um, And uh, she is not, but she's of another tribe and she was raised by a dog soldier. And so so it's a lot of history based for building those characters.
0: And if you want to see Albuquerque, just watch WITSEC, the TV series that was on a couple years ago. was filmed there.
1: Yes. That and, of course, Breaking Bad was filmed here, everybody.
0: Fair. I didn't watch Breaking Bad, though, so.
1: Oh, yeah. No, you can watch Breaking Bad, and I've watched some of it, and I'm like, oh, I know where that is, and that is. It's like watching Law & Order for me, where I'm like, that's not a real stop in New York on the L train.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, the good old days. All right, Doc, before we wrap this up, did you have any questions you wanted to throw in there? Mm-mm. You've been so silent.
2: I have been, but I've been listening because I like hearing Tamsin talk about Billy the Kid and history. And I just like having my friend around.
1: No, I miss okay. you.
0: So clearly the interview is winding down. But before we wrap this up, was there anything about the curse of Billy the Kid that we didn't ask you that you wanted to tell us before we moved on?
1: Uh, No, no. You guys hit on a lot of the important things for me, uh, which is character building, world building. And that it's a really, it's a really fun adventure. Um, I I always say to people, like, look, if if, you don't even have to be a fan of Weird West, if you just like to go on an adventure with characters you enjoy, this series is for you. And it's immersive and it's going to be entertaining. It's going to make you laugh out loud. Um, and it's going to make you cry. And I think that all good series takes you on a full roller coaster of emotions and pulls you into the storyline. And I think this really does that. And um, I really can't wait for book three to come out. Um, and for you guys to get to the end of the first three uh, books in the series, and get to meet some of the people that I bring about in book three.
0: So are there going to be audiobooks for these?
1: So, yes, uh, there will be. Um, I know that it would have been out sooner. However, <laughs> there was this thing called COVID. Um, and then there also was this thing called Audiblegate. And there's, so there's been a few little roadblocks <laughs> that have gotten in the way of these becoming audiobooks. Also, they are, um, they're kind of thick <laughs> and they're long. And so these things, um, these cost a bit to do because they're longer stories. Um, I do know that one of the things John wants to do um, is after the third book comes out, he wants to do an omnibus of it. Um, he's doing some really cool new covers where these books, when their third books are out, it's an omnibus hardcover and it's one color with just an emblem. So like all of Chris Jackson's dragon stuff would be a solid color with a dragon. Uh, Darren Kennedy's uh, gambit series would be a solid color and then a pawn and mine will be crossing guns, I do believe. So but once that's uh he wants to do um, he wants to go ahead and get uh, the audiobook for all of them done and put them out together.
0: Okay. So before we let you go, uh, I'd like to harken back to our old reminder to you, dear listeners that we did back when we were the sci-fi shenanigans. Uh, I'll assume you're here because you too like to read good books. so please be kind and speak your minds. On the reviewing platforms, your reviews help the right readers find the right books. Having said that and done our due diligence for everyone, Tamsin, can you tell listeners how they can find you?
1: Yeah, um, I am on Facebook under Tamsin Silver and same thing with Twitter and you can uh, also find me at TamsinSilver.com and soon, oh boy, I'm going to be doing videos on, God help me, TikTok. My, uh, I know I will not be doing dances. That will not be my world, but I may be doing some rants on other things and talking about writing and other stuff like that as well. So, um, You won't find much, you won't find anything there now, but an account, but there will be videos coming very soon there as well. But obviously the website's the best spot to get links to all the things that I do. Um, I find most of my time for Facebook. um, But if, uh, if not, if that's not your jam, hit me at Twitter.
0: Okay. And you can find us on our website at anchor.fm backslash blasters tech and tech blades, anchor.fm backslash blasters dash and dash blades. We're on Twitter at sf underscore fantasy underscore show, Sierra Foxtrot underscore fantasy underscore show. It's almost like the SF means sci fi people. You can email us at doc, behave yourself. You can email us at blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com. Again, that is blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com. Send all of the hate mail to Cisca at blasters and (laughs) we have our facebook group where all the shenanigans happen (laughs) at facebook.com backslash groups backslash blasters and blades podcast again that is backslash groups backslash blasters and blades podcast you can support the show over at buymeacoffee.com backslash author jr hamley again buymeacoffee.com backslash author jerry Henley. be sure to put in the comment section that it is for the podcast uh and with your contribution we will keep doc seska and nick garber duly intoxicated they will he doesn't get any unless he shows up though this is true uh <laughs> stupid day job they will drink until their liver surrenders never surrender uh you can also support us over on anchor.fm backslash blaster stack intact blades which has a reoccurring option much like patreon all help has been appreciated with your kind contributions to the year 2021, which is almost over for us because we reset in December. Uh, we have paid off our, our overhead, so we are officially in the black, I guess. Uh, in the positive, I don't know, the the, the Matthew <laughs> book. Someone else does my money, people. I have a business manager for a reason, okay?
1: <laughs> I, I think you're not in the black. Black means you're in trouble, isn't it? Like, with the, that, that was what the black, red was. black Friday. <sighs> I mean, you would be, if you're breaking even, When not you be in, the, you would be yellow, maybe? Green?
0: You know I'm colorblind. This is unfair.
1: I I'm colorblind. This is unfair. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't do money, obviously.
0: Me either, clearly. Uh, but before we let you go, because Doc's about to read the exit spiel, I, I have to see if we're going to let you come back. So you got to answer this question the correct way. Pineapple on pizza, yay or nay? Oh,
1: No. I love pineapple on pizza.
0: Yes! <laughs> Whoa! You wound me, madam. You wound me. I I'm was so like, ready to be your bestie. You were talking history and nerdy to me. And then I'm like, oh, I
1: know, I'm, I'm so sorry. sorry. It's because I have a sweet tooth, Jr. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I blame, I blame my I blame my hereditary, my DNA. It comes
2: from someone in my family. It's not my fault.
0: Fair fair enough. We'll we'll, we'll accept that this time. All right, doc. Bring us home.
2: So for all those who love pineapple on pizza. Yes, heresy. Uh, <laughs> okay. You'll get over it, JR. It's all right. So, thank you for spending some of your precious time with us and meeting my friend Tamson. For Nick Garber, JR Hanley, I'm Seska. This was the Blasters and Blaze podcast. We'll be back next week where we indulge our love of geekiness, nerddom, che- pineapple on pizza, cheesy jokes, picking on JR, and of course, mommy juice. Mommy juice. I was going to say. <laughs> it's
0: been a week. all right you have a good one people
1: thanks so much for having me you guys